0: All right, well, let's go ahead and get started today. So we are in the middle of a series, or actually we're getting ready to about wind it down, a series called Story, uh, and, and the concept of this series has been, we've been looking at First John, and we've been talking about our story and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, how your story and the message of Christ come together to form the story of your life Uh, that Christ intended for you to live. Uh, And the reality of it is, is that all of us have a story. All of us, our life is a story, and there is a battle that is raging. Right now, as I speak today, there is a battle taking place for your story. The enemy wants to consume your story. The enemy wants to own your life. And as I talked about last week, I talked about the fact that there is is a nemesis narrative that the enemy wants to play out in your life. The enemy wants you to be defeated. The enemy wants your story to consist of things such as depression, the enemy wants your story to consist of things like your failure. Life is not a joyful life. The enemy wants you to feel like your marriage is wrecked. The enemy wants you to believe that, that you could have been something better something else than what you are. The enemy wants you to believe that there are circumstances in your life that have caused you to be where you're at. The enemy wants you to have a story of defeat. But what I want you to understand today, and as I have been talking over the last couple weeks, there is a surpassing story, all right? There is a story that your Creator intended for you to have. It is a story that is filled with joy. It is a story that gives you purpose and makes your life worth living. It is a better story. It is a story of Jesus Christ alive and living in each one of us. And this morning, what I want us to understand is that that is our story. The enemy might want to tell you something different, but your story is the story that Christ intended for you to live. Amen? Let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how to keep that story real in our lives God we love you so much and Lord I thank you for the opportunity to stand here in this room today the opportunity to share your word uh, with such wonderful people and Lord my prayer is today that as we listen to your word and as we talk about the story that you have for us Lord that our hearts and our minds would be open to receive whatever it is that you want to say to us today and so, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room right now that is struggling with a, a, a story that is something other than yours, if there's anyone in this room right now that when they look in the mirror, they don't see who they are in you. They see who they are in someone else or in some circumstance or, or in some situation or they see themselves through the lens of their past. Lord, my prayer today is that they would hear that as we walk with you and as we grow in our relationship with you, we can see you as our reflection. I pray this in your most precious name, and everybody says, amen. All right, so what I want to talk to you just for a few minutes today is I want to talk to you about the, the way that we avoid... The, what I would call, soul-destroying nemesis narratives that the enemy has for us. And I want to talk to you about how we keep that at bay. And the way that happens. Because you see, how you and I live the story that Christ intended for us is by putting our faith and trust and abidance in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? I want to start off by reading first John or sharing 1 John chapter 1, verse 24. And I want you to listen to this it's up on the screen. 1 John chapter 1 verse 24. We are going through the book of John. It says, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son of God and in the Father, all right? John's talking to us, and when the readers are listening to this, when he's saying this to the readers, what's happening here is that those that John is speaking to at this point, uh, they are in a culture, they're surrounded by a group of people that is trying to deny Christ, trying to get them to not believe in Christ, okay? Okay? And so what John is doing here is he's laying out a foundation of how do you defend yourself, how do you defend Christ in a world that wants you to not believe in Christ? Now, does that sound like that somewhat relative to today? Relevant? Huh? I said relative, don't... Uh, relevant? Huh? I mean, are there people in your life, do you know people in your life that tell you things like, you know, this believing in Jesus thing is a whole hoax? Anybody in your life do that? You know? Maybe they don't actually come out and tell you that, but when you say something like, yeah, I'm going to church this week, they're like, oh, you're one of those people. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Do you have people in your life that put their faith and trust in stuff, in things other than Jesus Christ? Do you have people in your life that they only come to church or they only, they only cry out to Christ when the circumstance gets too difficult for them to handle, when nothing else works and then they're like, hey, let's try this Jesus thing. Do you have people like that in your life? Any of you? I mean, we see it all over the media. We see all kinds of stuff. That that Is the enemy trying to create denial of Christ in our lives? And John here, what he's saying is he's saying, let what you heard from the beginning, let it abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Father. You will abide in the Son. You see, John tells them what to do exactly here. What he says, and this is what I want us to grab a hold of today, is he says, in a sense, he repeats what he's already told them in the first part of this. He says, what you have heard from the beginning, that is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let that word remain in you. Let that which brought you to Christ in the very beginning. Did any of you remember? You remember when you first came to Jesus? You remember when you first realized what, what, what it was all about? And you gave your heart to Christ and you got up from the altar. You remember, and you had that enthusiasm, you had that excitement, you had that energy. For those of you there, some of our some of our younger people in this room right now that attended a thing called Monday School. Do you guys remember when it all clicked? I mean, yeah, yeah, it takes time. But you remember, you remember when, when, remember when you got it, and it like, oh, it was like the, it was like, wow. See, for some, I'm afraid to say, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of that first love. If we're not careful. We can get trapped in, we can get bogged down into the, the, the life, the world, and lose sight of that. And what John is doing here, he's talking to these guys, and the first thing that he wants them to understand is, listen, go back, go back to that first story. Go back to the beginning. Get a hold of that again, because when you get a hold of that, you'll remember what it's all about. Let that word remain in you. You see, the reason why we struggle so often with our story, can I, can I just be honest here—is because we let everything else other than Christ, guide us. We let everything else feed into us other than Christ. And the reason why that happens is because what happens so often in our lives is instead of Christ being at the center, instead of Christ being our first love, Christ moves into that what's left over environment. See, we start getting bogged down by the world. And at first, man, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And then it's about Jesus, and it's about my marriage. It's about Jesus and my marriage. And then it's about Jesus and my marriage and my children. And then it's about Jesus and my marriage and my children and my job. And then it's about my marriage and my children and my job. And then it's about my children, my job, my marriage, and Jesus. And then it's about my job. It's about my job. It's about my job. It's about my children. It's about my children. It's about about my children. It's about my marriage. It's about my marriage. My marriage. It's my marriage. It's my marriage. It's everything else. And then, oh, where's Jesus? Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see where I'm going with this? You see, if Christ is not first priority, eventually your story will not be one of you in Christ. It will be a story of you and whatever the enemy wants you to believe. And the only way that we can prevent that from happening is to abide in Christ. First John verses one through three. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read these in chapter one. It says, "That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which has ha, have seen with your eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ." Verse 5 says, this is the message that we have heard from you and proclaimed to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness. You see, when we don't function with Him at the center, because it's in Him there is no darkness, when we don't function with Him at the center, our story... starts allowing the darkness to creep in. And our story changes from one of redemption, one that is filled with light, to a story that is filled with darkness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, or verse 16, sorry. Colossians 3, verse Colossians 3:16. Yeah, it's up there on the screen right there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Listen to that again. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. You see, it's in that, that understanding, that's where we see a story that is filled with Christ. It's a story that's about him living in us, not about us pursuing him. Listen, folks, I want you to get something straight today. It's not about us pursuing him. He has been pursuing you since the very beginning. You don't pursue what you do is you allow him to get a hold of you. You stop long enough to let him get you. Remember the games you used to play with my kids? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And my kids would be like, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. But no matter how much I go, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And they'd be like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. I kind of feel like Gollum right now. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. All of it, Eventually, my kids would stop and go, <laughs> So I could get them. Because they they really wanted me to get them. You know? Christ wants to get us. He's been pursuing us. He's got a story. That's so incredible. If we just let him get a hold of us. And make it happen. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, when we, when we abide in Christ, when we allow him to take control of us, when we, when we get into his word, when we study and understand who he is and we allow this to penetrate us, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, folks, one of the reasons we talk about discipleship so much here at Lifebrook is because I am convinced, I am convinced that the only way that we are going to see a transformed world is when we, as the body of Christ, get serious about what it means to be a disciple that makes disciples. It's only going to take place when we become so filled with the Word of God, so filled with the Spirit of God, that it cannot, we cannot, not want to pour that out into others. Do you see what I'm saying here? That's what he's talking about. I have stored up your word in my heart that mine might not sin against you. Folks, sometimes I don't think the sin that we struggle with the most is the sin of what we do and don't do as far as like, you know, whether we eat too much, drink too much, do this too much or that too much, whether we, you know, uh, whether we root for Ohio State or root for some other team, you know? I think the greatest sin that we struggle with, folks, as the church today, the greatest sin that we struggle with is our unwillingness to do whatever it takes to share what God has given us with someone else. The greatest sin that we fall into is the sin of not caring enough about others to share the message of Christ with them. And you can say all day long, but I do care about others. But if you have not shared the message of Christ with anyone this past week, how much do you really care? Because I'm going to tell you right now, God has brought at least one person in your life over the last week, unless you're hiding in a room all by yourself. He has brought at least one person in your life this past week that doesn't know Christ. You see, when His Word abides in our hearts, we can't help but want to share that. And I think the greatest sin that we struggle with is our unwillingness to share that. That's another sermon another day. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked there for a second. Listen, all along there has been a certain quality, intent, efficacy, and consistency characterizing the saving message that is embraced. As we look in First John and as we look here, uh, we should be challenged to do the work of the Lord, to seek to make drastic revisions in our lives daily through the message of Christ. The thing that I want us to grab a hold of when we talk about our story is that as we abide in Christ and as we seek Christ, our story is continuously transforming. It's continuously changing. It's continually moving in a, in a direction that brings us closer to Christ. It's it, it's it, it's 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 evolving, I'll use that word, into what Christ intended us to be. I was standing over on that side for a second, and as I was bending over there, I saw Corey. His life, his story is changing every single day because he is abiding in Christ. He is allowing Christ To get a hold of him. And I've been here for two and a half years, and I can call him a kid because he's 10 years younger than me at least. 15. I could be his dad. That's weird. But in the two and a half years, I've seen how the story of Christ in Him is changing Him. You see, when we, when we allow Christ to be the center of our life, when we surrender to Him, when we abide in Him, when, when we allow Him to take first place, then the story... Of our lives becomes a story that brings transformation to the world that we live in. Amen? John chapter 1, or 1 John chapter 2, verse 27 says, But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as he, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. We're supposed to abide in Christ. We're supposed to abide in the world. And so, as I'm talking about this, and I'm telling you that it's through abiding in Christ, it's through, it's through leaning on the Word that our story stays the story that Christ intends it to be, and it moves in the direction. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, uh, how do we abide? How do we do that? You see, John is talking about way more here than just knowing the Word Intellectually. When I talk about discipleship and I, and I ask one, you guys to be in discipleship and, and I say, hey, you want to do a one-on-one discipleship or you want to do a small group of discipleship, I'm, I'm not just asking you to study the Word and know the Word, okay? That's good. We want to know the Word. But it's not just about an intellectual knowledge of the Word. I know a lot of people in, our, in this world today that can quote verse in Scripture and have no relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about just the knowledge. It's about us living in the midst of who Christ intended us to be. You see when I when I say abide, uh, that word abide, what does that mean? That means that not only means to have knowledge, but abiding means when I say we need to abide in the word, we need to abide in Christ. What that means is that means things like we need to rest in him. You know sometimes you need rest, don't you? It means, it means, sometimes it means, it means when, when the world is overwhelming us, when the world is beating us up, when the world is pulling us in 20 different directions, it means coming to, to Christ, it means, it means getting up close with Christ and just resting, just, just putting our head on His shoulder and listening to Him say to us, which He will if we'll, if we'll listen. I know it seems tough right now. But I'm with you. I know you feel worn out right now. But listen. My strength is sufficient. That's what it means to abide. It means to remain, it means to dwell, it means to live in. You know what? You know what I'm asking you? You know what I mean by abiding? Best illustration I can think of, my wife and I right now, we rent a house. It's a nice little house. But it's not ours. We don't own it. Whenever, whenever something breaks down in it, you know what I do? I call my landlord. Hey, it's broke. And Austin, he'll say, so what? <laughs> Any of you know Austin, you know what I'm talking about. He's a good guy. But... I don't own the house. I don't, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I, we take care of the house because, you know, if we didn't take care of it, he wouldn't let us rent it, but, but it's not mine, okay? Someday I'm going to move out of that house, hopefully sooner than later, you know? Because I'm renting. But man, when you own something... You take some pride in it, hopefully, right? When you own something and you've invested in it, you, you want to make sure that there's no mold in the walls. You want to make sure there's no leaks in the plumbing. You get up on the roof of the house every so often to make sure that you know, there's no leaks up there. You'll check the, the gutters to make sure the gutters aren't filled with junk, you know. You, you, you take pride in it, right? You see, sometimes I think if we're, if we're honest about ourselves, our relationship with God is just like a rental relationship. Oh, come on, Pastor Steve, don't say stuff like that. We're just renting Him, you know? We're just, we're just putting our trust, faith in Him until something better comes along, you know? You know, when, when the bills aren't getting paid, we trust in Him. But when we get that good job, all of a sudden, well, we don't need Him. When our heart's broken, we trust in Him. We call on Him. Oh, man, my heart is broken. I need you, Jesus, help me. Help me. I like my grandfather again. <laughs> but then when things get good, we're like, mm, you know. When things are rough, we're there calling now yeah, and I need you. But then the summer comes and it's warmer. You see what I'm saying? You get it? You get where I'm going with this? I don't have to give you any more like analogies. All right. We're not just renting God till something better comes along. If we have a real relationship with him. Abiding in him means we rest, we remain, we dwell, we live. We're not just visiting You see, I think the essential meaning of our act of abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. You see, there's an illustration in scripture. It says if a branch remains or abides or stays attached to the vine in such a way that it's receiving all that the branch has to give, then the then that branch will grow. If that picture is carried over here, what John means and what he's saying is that we don't just believe in Jesus, we have to trust in him, and we have to live with him at the center of our lives. And the only way that we can do that is to understand who he is and allow him to penetrate who we are. Amen? That's abiding. He says in John chapter 1 verse 12, not first John, John 1 12, he says to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. You see, He wants to adopt us. We are his children. And it's not a temporary setting. It's permanent if we will just trust in him and let our story be controlled by him. We need to abide in His Word. We need to abide in Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, it says this, And now little children abide in Him so that when He appears we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. Someday, I want us to all understand this, someday He is going to return. He's coming back. Alright? Whether you believe it or not, He's coming back. Now I think you all believe that, okay? But we gotta live like we believe it. Not just proclaim it. We need to live it. We need to realize that we don't know when he's coming back, but he is. Scripture says it'll be like a thief in the night. How many of you, how many of you here know when a thief is gonna come to your house and steal your stuff? Huh? Any of you put out an ad looking for a thief? No! I have no sign. I, you know, well, sometimes I'd like to. I have a sign in my front yard: "Thief wanted. Come on in." Sometimes I'd like to even come into my garage and take some of the stuff out of my garage. Where's my wife at right now? She's not in here, right? Back with the kids. One of those crazy people. <laughs> you know. We don't know, but He's coming back someday. And He has given us the right to be His children. So we need to be prepared for that. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. You see, when we abide in Christ, when we abide in His Word, when we live in the gospel We not only live in a new story, but we live in a better story. The best story that you and I could ever experience is a story that is in the center of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, the reality is that greatest story became a person. The greatest story to ever exist took the form of Christ. And he came and he lived and he died. And he walked out of the tomb on the third day so that we could have his story, not our own. You see, believing is a receiving of Christ into the soul. It's a welcoming him. It's a trusting him, as it were. It's, it's, like, it's like drinking and eating and savoring him. John chapter 6, verse 35 says this. He said, Jesus was talking, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. You see, this morning, what I want us to grab a hold of is that in order for us to have a healthy relationship, in order for us to have a story that's healthy, we have to have a story of trust that can only come from Christ. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with Him, to be always leaning upon Him, resting on Him, pouring out our hearts to Him, and using Him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief. Companion and our best friend. Folks, this morning, what I want you to understand is the battle that is taking place for the story in your life, the enemy that is trying to take over that story, the enemy has been defeated. And if you live in Christ, he cannot get a hold of your story. And this morning, I want to encourage you, because listen, no matter what you're struggling with, Christ is the answer. No matter what kind of guilt you're experiencing, Christ is the answer. No matter how disappointed you may seem, no matter how frustrated you may get at times, no matter how desperate you may feel, Christ is the answer. When we live in him, we are made complete, amen? You see, to have his word abiding in us, is to keep his sayings and his principles continually before our memories and our minds and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and our behavior. You see, the reason why we talk about discipleship so much here at Lifebrook Church is because what we want to do is help each other keep Christ at the center of our lives. And that's what happens. Let me tell you something. Just a testimony, just for two seconds here. I got 10 guys that I meet with on a weekly basis. 10 guys. And let me just tell you something. In that relationship that I have with those guys, they bring me the strength, the support through Christ that I need to walk each day. Those discipleships with all 10 of those guys began with either me going to those guys and saying, hey, you want to be in a discipling relationship? Or them coming to me and saying, hey, I'd like to be in a discipling relationship. And they all began as, okay, we're going to go through this study. We always start with the book of John here. I don't know why, just because that's what we start with. But let me tell you something, over the course of the last year and a half, over the course of time as I have met with these guys, I want you to understand something. Yeah, we're grabbing knowledge and stuff. We know more, I hope, the guys that I meet with know more about the Bible than they did before we started. But let me just tell you something about a discipling relationship. They are discipling me as much as I ever could disciple them. Because discipleship is about an intimate relationship with those who are followers of Christ, helping those who are followers of Christ lead followers of Christ to become followers of Christ, who lead followers of Christ to become followers of Christ, to lead those to become followers of Christ. Does that make sense? Am Am I saying enough? Yeah, and it is about relationship that brings us to a deeper abidance in our Lord and Savior. So this morning, as we wrap this message up in my normal ADD style, as the band is getting ready to come up here, and I know my wife's back there working, so somebody needs to go tell her because... I'm not going to lead the worship this this morning. Thank you Jesus. Let me ask you some questions here today. How are you doing? Keeping constant close communion with Christ? What is your daily walk with Christ like? Are you, are you in communion with Him constantly or do you come here for a couple hours on Sunday and then when you leave Monday through Saturday you forget about Christ and then you come back on Sunday again? Oh no, Pastor, we don't ever do that. There are times I'm confessing to you as your pastor. there are times when I come and I, I preach on Sunday and I'm wore out and, 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 and Monday, I'm like drained, and all of a sudden I discover Tuesday morning I didn't pray, I didn't do anything. I'm like, "That's your pastor." How are we doing? Are you resting in Him this morning? Are you trusting in Him? Let me ask you this question. Is Christ your chief companion? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? How are you doing abiding in His words and keeping them close So close that they guide your actions, your thoughts, your behaviors. If you could do more this morning, lay it at His feet. He's here for you. If you need to go deeper, stop making excuses why you're not. If I've asked you to be in the discipleship here and you keep putting me off, stop. Because I'm not going to stop asking. You know why? Because I love you. And I want Christ to be the center of your life. If you've been thinking about getting in discipleship and you don't know who to ask or you don't know if you have enough time, I'll tell you what. Ask myself, ask my wife, ask anybody on the team. And just for the second question, you don't know if you have time. Can I tell you something? You do. I've already decided it. You don't have time to wait. That's what it is. I see God doing incredible things at this church, and I know He's doing incredible things in this community. And I'm going to tell you right now, this morning, the story of you. The story of you with Christ at the center is the story that the world needs to hear. Are you ready to share it? If you are, let's all stand this morning. Seek God's guidance. This morning, the altars are always open. I want you to know that. And if you want to come down and you want to pray by yourself, you just come down and pray by yourself. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'm going to treat you like you're in elementary school, okay? If you want somebody to... Not because you. If you want somebody to pray with you, come down here and go like this. You raise your hand, and like ten people will run at you. Okay, no, they won't. But, but somebody will come and pray with you. Every Sunday morning, we serve communion here at Lifebrook, and this morning is no different. It's set up here in the front. I don't always talk about communion, but this morning, let me just... I want to I just share real quick, and if you'll just bear with me for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23-34 through 34 says this. As we talk about communion, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus... On the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You can play a little bit behind me. Give it a little mood music. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself, and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. Man, he's talking about this. This is Paul talking. Listen to this. And basically, he's telling these guys listen, some of you have been taking the communion, taking it unjustifiably, and it's made you sick. Some of you are even dying. Well, that's a bummer. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give you directions when I come. This morning, I want to encourage you to take communion, but I also want to encourage you to check your heart. I want you to, to think, to pray. To ask the Lord if there's anything in you that is not right, lay at His feet. Make it right. Listen, folks, our story is one of victory when Christ is at the center day whatever it takes let him be at the center of your life okay amen God we love you so much and Lord I just thank you again for being able to come together today Lord I am each day thankful and amazed at how awesome it is to be a part of this totally cool community. You have blessed me so much and I don't ever want to take that for granted, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would guide me to show a story that is centered in you. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here today that whatever our story has been up until this point, from today forward, it's a story where you take first place and we live victorious pray this in your most precious name. Amen.